Hey everybody, I'm Paul Valley, and this is a payoff pitch on Phantom Mold Radio presented by DNL Window Tinting. DNL Window Tinting, we put the shades on the sun. Last night the Orioles lost again to the Los Angeles Dodgers 7-3. Their sixth straight defeat after hitting 46 wins, and that's significant because, as you may recall, last year the Orioles won only 47 games. So it looks like they're going to finish with a better record than last year, but since they hit that 46 win, they haven't won. So... Six straight losses. Ty Block took the loss last night. He already came in with a 9.82 ERA and ended last night's start at a 12-even ERA after allowing six runs and two in the third innings pitched. A lot of people wondering why Block is getting the call instead of Tom Eshelman, who was DFA'd when they activated Mark Trumbo last week. Eshelman did stay in the system, but that remains to be seen. We do have a guest coming on later in the show who can maybe shine a little bit of light on that. Uh, we'll see when we talk to him. But like I said, Orioles, six straight losses. It's their fifth streak of at least five losses in a row this year. Better than last year. Last year they had 11, stri they had 11 streaks of five or more losses. For the Orioles this year, those five streaks have all come since June. So a little bit of tough sledding in the second half of the season, although it does seem like at times they've played a little bit better. But We'll see how it goes. The Dodgers clinched on the field last night uh, against the Orioles. They clinched the AL West, their seventh straight division title out there. Uh, Brandon High was saying in about the third or fourth inning, according to Rock Bacco, that this was something that, th that his team needed to see. They needed to see what was on the mound there because that's what's going to be like in October. And it's good for a young rebuilding ball club to see what it means to play meaningful baseball this late in the season. And I totally agree with that. I think it's really important that in the minor league system, they have a bunch of their affiliates that are winning together because those are the, that's the future of the ball club. And if they're winning together down there, it means that they're going to learn how to win together up here. And that's something the fans should be really excited about. Seeing firsthand a team clinch on your field, you don't ever want to see a team clinch on your, on your field, but when you're out of it, it probably makes it a little bit less of a, of a tough blow to swallow. But still, it seems like it's more of a positive than a negative seeing the Dodgers clinch at Camden Yards last night. Uh, they're going again tonight, the two teams facing off at 7 o'clock. So, look, I don't want to keep you guys away from the exciting part of the show much longer than I have to. I have Rock Kabako of MassInSports.com coming up on the show. Really excited to have this guest. I've been following him since he did Rock Around the Clock for the Baltimore Sun. He's been an Orioles beat writer since 1997, and he's been gracious enough to join our show today. So right now, we're going to get a word from our sponsor, and when we get back, big-time interview with Rock Abaco of MassInSports.com. In your home, sunshine can stream in through windows, bringing a cheerful feel and warmness to any room. Sometimes, though, it brings in too much warmth, even harmful ultraviolet light and solar energy that can raise energy bills. Drain the color from your fabrics and furnishings and cast a blinding glare on your television or computer screens. DNL Window Tinting can protect your home from all of this while saving you money on energy bills. Start saving today by calling DNL at 410-941-2942. That's 410-941-2942. Hi, right, everybody. Welcome back to the Payoff Pitch. And I have joining me from MassInSports.com, Rock Abaco. Rock, how are we doing today, man? Good. How are you doing? Doing all right. Really, really glad to have you on the show. Been following you for a long time, so it's pretty exciting for me. Uh, first and foremost, how are you holding up after the two losingest seasons in franchise history? You doing okay, man? 
Yeah, obviously, people ask you all the time, how hard is this season to cover? And I'm telling you, it's easier than last year. The 115 losses last year when they were still going with the veteran players, trying to go for it one more time, the window was slamming shut, et cetera, et cetera, and everything just collapsed in such an ugly manner. And then you're on edge about who's getting traded, who's getting fired, all those things. To me, that was a lot more stressful. It was a lot harder to cover a team like that than one that you went in this year with such low expectations to begin with. I mean, honestly, it felt like there was nowhere you were going to go but up. And, you know, I know they're kind of stuck on 46 wins right now as we speak, but that's still only one shy of last year's total. And we're in, like, the second week of September. So, you know, and they seem to be at least have an idea, a plan of what they want to do. We'll see if it works later. But I just feel like this has been easier. I went to spring training kind of knowing – the deal here, just having to get used to some new people, of course, but, you know, to me, last season was much harder. Yeah, and I think everybody would agree with you on last year being much harder. You did mention they're stuck on 46 wins. They've lost six straight since winning that 46th game. I'm sure it's just a coincidence, but are the guys in the locker room aware of the record, and is it a hump that they're eager to get over? I don't think so. I bet you if I asked most guys, hey, how many games did the Orioles win last year? They would say, I don't know, not a lot. <laughs> you know, they, may, they may know 115 losses because we made such a big deal about that, and then we're going to have to test their math skills. So I don't think that's it at all. I think whatever holds them back is the usual stuff where the starting pitching all of a sudden is coming up way short again. There's bullpen issues. You know, they're facing teams like with the Dodgers that are just superior in talent. I mean, Walker Bueller, I honestly thought this could be a no-hitter tonight. So the fact he got a couple hits off from back-to-back in the early innings was at least encouraging. There's just a big talent gap right now. So I think, I think that explains it more than guys pressing to, to top last year's win total. They're really not focusing a lot on the record because they knew right off they were really supposed to be doing that. The wins matter to them. Don't get me wrong. Like, they're not right. here saying, well, it doesn't matter. It's a rebuild. definitely matters to them, but not to the point where they're obsessing over the standings or anything like that. It's just trying to get better and give that full effort every night, and then, you know, you deal with whatever the results are. Right, and there is that huge talent gap. Last night, the Orioles starting pitcher, Ty Block, he, had a, he came into that game with a 9.82 ERA. ERA now sits at a 12 even after allowing six runs and two in the third innings pitch. That's just with the Orioles. Um, and there's, there were some people who were a little bit up in arms at the fact that Tom Eshelman was DFA when Trumbo was activated last week. I mean, this is a guy who's 25 years old. He was a stud at Cal State Fullerton, and he had a modicum of success in that Philly system. Why was it uh, Eshelman instead of Block? Why are we still seeing Block pitching, especially in September when maybe we can get a look at a guy like Eshelman, and he's not going to lead the rebuild or anything, but maybe you might have something there. See, this is, and this is not a knock on Tom Eshelman, but this is a point we've reached now where some people are up in arms over Tom Eshelman. Right. Uh, pitching when earlier, they were like, this guy's fastball's topping out at 80. He's not a major league pitcher. Now it's like, why DFA him? I mean, he's still in the organization. They just had to make the move, and I think they, they basically saw what they wanted to see from him. Now it's like, all right, next man up. This is an evaluation process. For now, they're done evaluating him. Now let's take a look at Ty Block, a left-hander. See what we have there. He can always come off the 40 men after the season if they're not happy with him so can a lot of other guys you know they got a full 40 man they're gonna have to make room for alex cobb they're gonna have to make room for josh rogers coming off the 60 and then you got guys you have to protect i mean there's probably around six i can think of on top of my head before the rule five draft including ryan matt caps on using ld oz and, and dean kramer i think keegan aiken guys like that so 
there are going to be guys being cleared off that 40 anyway, plus whoever they end up signing or trading for that's on a 40 man. They have to make room for them as well. It's going to be wholesale changes in that 40 man, and that could include Ty Block. And that's why you know the pressure is on, and there is something to play for this final month. Guys are fighting for jobs here. They're getting an opportunity that they might not get somewhere else. And now it's up to them whether they take advantage of it or not. And we can name a few guys on this team that have done that. We can name plenty that haven't. Right, and a lot of these guys that are that are fighting for time. I mean, if they they could have a big September, but Buck always always preach that September is a big time fuller. You know, you, you can't put too much emphasis on what they're doing. Um, with that in mind, what should we expect from this ball club next year? Are we going to see more of the same as this year? Or are we going to see them put a bigger emphasis on the big club getting better on the field in 2020? I think there's going to be a lot of emphasis on improving the depth of giving Brandon Hyde more choices and AAA, especially pitching, because they really haven't had viable options. They keep recycling the same people with their 8 and 9 ERAs just because they need a fresh arm, and we've seen how that's worked out. And these are the group of guys who aren't taking advantage of these opportunities and are guys that in close games Hyde is really shying away from. He's kind of been saying, you know, we've had so many close games, so I'm really not able to use certain guys, and I find myself using certain other ones more because he is still trying to win games. Now, we've had some lopsided scores lately, and all of a sudden he's able to, to stretch out the bullpen. I think they're going to look for more like minor league six-year free agent types that you bring to camp that you know can give them more choices. You probably will see another, and obviously they want better results, uh, more like Nate Carnes, Dan Strelly types mm-hmm. that they're hoping they get more out of, kind of veteran placeholders who can eat, they hopefully eat up innings and allow them to still slow play some of their pitching prospects. And if they work out well, then, of course, they become trade ships at the break or, you know, at the end of, of July. But that certainly didn't happen with Carnes and Australia to a much lesser degree uh, with the Phillies, that deal. But, you know, they're going to look for those types, I think, because they're still going to be focused on the drafting, developing parts. They're not going to spend big, bu- big bucks on free agents. They're going to have to make some decisions on some of their chips, you know, a, a Michael Gibbons what they're going to do with Johnson VR. I mean, he's a non-tender candidate, or he was. I don't know if they want to pay him $6 million, which is probably around what he'd make in arbitration. But mm-hmm. look at the year he's had. Maybe they do. Maybe they sign him and then, you know, see if they can move him, if there's more of a market for him than there was his past deadline. You're going to see things like that, nothing major. But I think it's going to be a lot of guys in camp that are signing these minor league deals that you don't have to put on the 40-man unless they make the club. And again, just to give Hyde more options if he needs, to, needs pitching, if Elias needs to bring up an arm, and it's not somebody necessarily that, hey, he had one good outing in two weeks, and he's fresh, so let's get him up here with his 7-5 ERA. Right, and you mentioned uh, Jonathan VR, and I've talked about VR at length over the last couple of months on this show. The Orioles don't really have anybody waiting in the wings in the minor league system in the middle infield. He's going to be 29 for the entire season next year. He's had a 20-30 season for the Orioles this year, hitting around 270. Uh, this is a guy who, in my opinion, I think that the Orioles could try to extend him and maybe have him be there when this rebuild comes to fruition, even if it's for the last year of that contract, to play the middle infield for them and kind of reward him for sticking with them with a winning, with a winning season by the time the end of that contract is up. What do you think about the possibility of an extension for VR moving forward? The only reason I'm not sure about something like that happening, it comes back to payroll. The same reason as with Mancini. Some people are saying, why wouldn't you, you know, extend him now? He's 
become the face of the franchise. He's a clubhouse leader. But on the flip side, in this rebuild blueprint, you really don't spend that kind of money and extend players. You kind of go the other way where you're still trimming payroll and then obviously trying to uh, go with the, the, you know, the draft and develop and then maybe go ahead and spend a little here and there later. But this isn't the time to do that. So I don't know if they look at VR that same way that, you know, we're not in a position right now where we want to go ahead and shell out money for a big extension for the player. And especially, I mean, everybody's on the table. I mean, Mancini is the closest one to not being. And if they're overwhelmed by an offer, they'll move him too. But I think they would kind of like to look around again and say, hey, is there somebody, you know, that's really interested that's willing to give us some pieces here that will help with this rebuild process? If you get that, you move them. And like I said, there really wasn't much demand for him at the last deadline. They, they talked to the Cubs, and that didn't work out. But maybe the way he's finishing, if this continues, he becomes of, of more interest. Some clubs might be leery of, how can we word this? He's a bit of a gambler on the base path. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> he's yeah. a little reckless at times, and that may scare off some teams. Others may say, hey, that's just his game, and you take all the pluses and that as well. Uh, so uh, he's one of the more fascinating kind of decisions they have to make this offseason. I'm just not sure if they're ready to go ahead and go with any kind of extensions with any player. That doesn't mean because he's under team control for one more year that you don't go ahead and tender him a contract and then decide on that later, see how he's playing next year, see what, if there is a trade market for him. They may go that route. It would be kind of strange now. First, I thought it was better 50-50. They might just non-tender him. Now I'm not so sure because to turn loose a guy – who's had this kind of season, they get nothing back. I don't know. That, that may be a, 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 a bit risky. So I'm, I'm really, really not sure what they're going to do with him right now. It's a really interesting decision they have to make here. Well, and, and it, it certainly would be saving them money either to non-tender him or even in arbitration. The season that he's had, he's going to make way more money than that in, in free agency. So I definitely understand. I would imagine that if they're going to hang on to him, they don't have a trade partner that they would at least have him go through arbitration for that final season and see what, if they could maybe, if he has a, a similar first half to what he's done this year, they could explore something at the deadline next year. That remains to be seen. But the Orioles, where they are saving a lot of money is in that outfield. They're going to have Santander out there, possibly DJ Stewart. But one of the guys I'm excited about right now that they called up, uh, he, was, he was destined for the Arizona Fall League, but they just called him up on Saturday. It's Austin Hayes. He's made an appearance in all three games since he's been called up. Is this a tryout for him to be the center fielder of the future starting next year? Or is this just seeing what they have and it's a battle between him and Mason Williams? And furthermore, does Mason Williams have a legitimate shot of cracking this roster next season? I think Williams has a better chance of being a depth piece. I hate to keep your um referring to these people as pieces. I realize they're human beings with families and feelings, but, you know, in baseball terms, Williams could be more of a depth kind of guy. Right. Uh, that's why they brought him up now. First of all, it was as a reward, but also to see is this a guy that if Hayes, Mullins, whomever isn't ready, that he could be a guy that can plug into center, and if they go ahead and, you know, at some point take him off the 40, you try and resign him, minor league deal, you might have a better chance of doing that because you did bring him up at this point. I think they like to keep in the organization. Perfect world, Austin Hayes is your starting center field on opening day next year. So I think this is to give him uh, another look here. They, they love what they saw in spring training. It was just, again, health issues with him, and he really didn't have the numbers beaten down the door. I saw fans saying, you know, why aren't they bringing up Austin Hayes? And, well, look what he hit at AAA, and look what he hit combined in the minors. It wasn't screaming promotion at that point. So they're going to go ahead, take a longer look at him now in September, 
and then Arizona Fall League, just to give them more at-bats, give them more plate appearances. He fell about 200 plate appearances short of what they were hoping to see in AAA, and then have him compete. And if he has a really big spring like he had this past one, he doesn't get option this time. If he has a really good spring and he's healthy, he makes the club. So I don't know if audition necessarily right now. I think it's just we've got to get this guy at-bats and see if he can stay healthy for us and send him to Arizona for more at-bats. And then really the competition part comes in spring training. And he would come into camp, I would think, as a favorite to be the center fielder. It's kind of like his job to lose. I, I would tend to agree with you there. And Mason Williams, a knock against him is that he's 28 years old right now, and he's got a solid hit tool, but on a rebuilding ball club that's looking to win games in the, over the next few years, you don't, I don't really feel like there's a place for 28-year-old, you know, maybe 4A player. And again, like you said, these are human beings with families. So you don't want to knock them. You know what I mean? But 28 years old, it's not 23, 24. Right. And, I mean, he was at one time. You know, he was a Yankee prospect. And and then with the Reds, so there's things they like about him. I've heard from multiple people, and I have not seen much of him. He's about an average center fielder. So I think they would prefer to have a Hayes or even a Mullins defensively in center, even though the metrics on Mullins weren't great when he was in center with the Orioles. But I, I think they would prefer one of those two for defensive reasons, and certainly Hayes, but I still think that Williams can be a guy that they like to keep in the organization. Uh, and obviously, the fact that he you know, gave them that full season in Norfolk and played as well as he did was a pouting that he wasn't getting called up. I think that impressed them as well. He could have been bitter because he kept seeing guys on that shuttle, and he wasn't one of them, and, and he was off the 40 that whole time. So uh, I think they would like to keep in the organization. I think he could be maybe a useful guy for them, but certainly Hayes is one prospect status, the complete tools that he has across the board. He's the guy they really want in center field. I, I can imagine that that would be the case. Uh, look, Rock, I know you're a busy guy, so we're going to get you out of here in just a second. I really appreciate you coming on today. Before you go, i got one last question. You mentioned that this season has been a little bit better than last year. They're going to win more games than they won last year. Um, a silver lining, last year they had 11 losing streaks of five-plus games this year, only five such streaks. So there is a bit of a of an improvement there. So the final question I have for you before uh, we let you go, Emerson Hancock or Spencer Torkelson? I, I think it's going to go back to who's that best player. I mean, you never have enough pitching. So if there's a stud college pitcher or stud pitcher at all who's there for them, they'll strongly consider that more so than the past draft. You know, they were very heavy on pitching in those early rounds. There just wasn't anybody that wanted it. Plus, they definitely had a set plan. That was improved the athleticism up the middle. It was catcher. It was shortstop second base. It was center field. They went heavy in that area. And there were people doing happy dances in the organization for that. That's like, this is what we needed. They may go a different route this next draft, depending on that available talent. They think it's heavier in pitching. They'll go there. Maybe they consider if there is somebody on the corner, although Lord knows they have enough first base types. <laughs> right. If there's somebody else that they really like, then they go ahead and do that. But I'll tell you, I've glanced at some of that stuff, but I've got so much other stuff I'm focused on right now. That next draft is going to have to wait at least till the offseason. I understand, man. you got a lot on your plate. And uh, really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to uh, talk to us today. It meant a lot to us, and I'm sure it meant a lot to our listeners. Thanks so much for coming on. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks. All right, man. You have a great day. Take care. And that's going to do it for us here on the Payoff Pitch. Thanks again to Rock Cabaco from MassInSports.com for joining us today. Really big show. I enjoyed having him on. Uh, we're going to talk to you again next week. Until then, as always, 
Go Oats.